I guess the survival guides for me more than anyone. <laughs> like, Katie, can you help me? <laughs> and welcome to a special episode of Apocalypse in aid of Mental Health Awareness Week. I'm Lex Fleming, your loudmouthed host, bringing you an informal survival guide to life. Basically, the shit they didn't teach us at school. Like, the female G-spot was almost called the Whipple Tickle after the founder, Professor Beverly Whipple. everyone welcome back to another episode of apocalypse thank you for tuning in again um as it is mental health awareness week i felt like it was only right to make this week's episode about mental health um and who better (laughs) to bring in to talk about this is my friend katie hi katie hello how are you i'm good thank you how are you yes not bad not bad good good Uh, the reason that i wanted to well the reason we wanted to do this episode is in our own ways we've experienced mental health um is struggles the right word yeah struggles or people say issues don't they it's not necessarily an issue but we've had uh we've got mental health we have mental health everyone has mental health absolutely that we did just want to give a disclaimer to anyone listening to this we aren't therapists as much as we sometimes like to be after a few glasses of wine <laughs> i'd like to be paid like a therapist <laughs> tell me about it babes um so we aren't therapists this episode might come with some trigger warnings we just wanted to kind of make that clear before we delve into this that if you feel like this might not be the right episode for you we completely understand i will certainly hopefully hear from you again next week hear from you like you're going to talk to me um <laughs> so <laughs> mental health first off katie how do we know each other so we went to school together mm-hmm. so since the age of 11 but we weren't really in the same social circles but we did certainly cross paths in various different lessons yes yeah we had a couple not of that, friends that, in common yeah exactly yeah not that we paid an awful lot of attention at school but it's all just a blur I think I've purposely like, I blanked it I feel like you may have been in my art class at some point potentially I wasn't very good at art though yeah, so they wouldn't yeah I wasn't I wasn't in that wasn't in that space I'd like to have been hey we're in a pandemic maybe now's your how's your time mate you say this I've actually got a painting by numbers little uh, canvas it's like I know there we are (laughs) (laughs) um okay so mental health I'm just gonna we're just gonna dive straight into this because there's no like right way of starting this conversation when were you when did you kind of become aware of your own mental health so I think I've already always had uh, tendencies to have sort of ups and downs as everyone does but even through sort of childhood there were certain um, sort of OCD or sort of little tendencies I had but I noticed it sort of consciously at the age of 18. There was many reasons at the time there were many things that were going on at the time big changes so my parents were going through a divorce I was you know, we were going to university, mm-hmm. we were also moving house in the background. And then the catalyst that sort of tipped it over the edge and broke the camel's back was a breakup with my sort of first love. It wasn't the reason for a mental health breakdown per se, but it was certainly the, like I say, the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You say breakdown, would you, I mean, looking at the time, did you call it a breakdown or is it in hindsight, you can call it a breakdown? In hindsight, definitely. 
So the breakdown kind of consisted of um, sort of huge floods of tears, yeah. hyperventilating, um, and it got to a really bad stage where I was out with some friends and wouldn't get out of the road, sort of standing in front of a bus, not wanting to die, but certainly not wanting to live. I just wanted to get out of my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a very good girlfriend at the time, still is a very good girlfriend, made sure I got home safely and looked after me. And then sort of the next day said, this isn't quite right. I think you might need some help. And how was that? The first, like, the first person that says to you, I think you need some help. Were you defensive? Very, very yeah. defensive. Yeah. Um, and I I also thought at the time that she was being very dramatic. Mm. I was like, no, I don't need help. This isn't a problem. This isn't a thing. I just got drunk and had a breakdown and it's fine. Mm. Yeah. If, do you feel like the word dramatic is a word that gets bandied around a lot? when it's maybe undiagnosed mental health um it's certainly a word that has been used to describe me for many years and yes I'm slightly dramatic it is part of I think I don't know it's it's a difficult one I can't decide if it's part of my character I feel like for so long I've said it's part of my character but I think again in hindsight I can now look back and say actually I think it's massive anxiety yeah, I think, I mean, 100% that word gets thrown around mm. um, when it comes to mental health. I think there's a couple of things that kind of the way I look at it is it sometimes the change in my mental health is dramatic from one thing to the next. It is a, it's, it's never usually gradual. It is a dramatic change. Right. However, I would say that what happens during those down phases in particular is not dramatized. And I feel like mm-hmm. there is a difference between a dramatic change as opposed to the episode being dramatized. And I think people look at it sometimes or look at an episode or somebody's having an episode and people on the outside will look at it and say, God, drama queen, like it's not that bad. Um, oh, Katie, like this is literally <laughs> what has just happened to me. <laughs> so oh God, I, I've I've had like I would say in the last six months, um, quite poor mental health uh, through a number of reasons. I had a couple of friendships that ended, um, that that kind of had like a lot of drama around it. Um, and one of the the things that was kind of always being thrown at me when I was going through it was you're being dramatic you're you this you're making this a thing it, it, literally those sorts of words and it does stick with you it does make you go is this is this me being are you, you start kind of like gaslighting yourself a bit yeah um, but again in hindsight it, like this conversation even though it's been five minutes has made me go no it was mental health yeah absolutely and I think you make a good point if that if people externally if they can't appreciate it or they can't see it or they can't accept it Mm. it makes it very difficult for yourself to accept sometimes Mm -hmm. that that this is a thing and then when people around you start to accept it or start to help you or start to sort of shine a light on certain things I think Mm. that's when for me in particular I was able to accept it Mm. myself and accept help I was diagnosed with depression at 18 Mm-hmm. Now at 32, my outlook on my mental health is certainly very different to how it was when I was 18. God, yeah. I did not want help back then. Yeah. And it was it was still quite taboo. It was mental health, depression was still very taboo, even 
15 years ago. I mean, I know certainly when you start, I think like, you know, we had friends in common even at 18 and I remember sort of um, the word mental and all this sort of stuff kind of circulating. Yeah, psycho bitch. That's a good one. Psycho I got bitch. thrown around a lot. And I hope as a society, we have kind of stopped using those words. You still occasionally hear it, unfortunately. But I feel like once your diagnosis kind of came through, how old were you when you got diagnosed with bipolar? I was uh, bipolar, How? Uh, well, 18 months ago. So Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, not that long ago. So got diagnosed with depression at 18 mm. and then uh, by my GP and had sort of a variety of different sort of methods of trying to help myself. So uh, mm-hmm. tablets, therapy, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had a really, really bad time. Yeah, like I say, about 18 months ago, 20 months ago, something like that, and found myself uh, crying hysterically on the bathroom floor, mm-hmm. uh, harming myself physically and it was at that point I mean I'm I'm very lucky I have a boyfriend who is very supportive but it was at that point that he said this needs to stop how do we get you proper help yeah so I actually went luckily and thankfully um, I was in a position at the time where I had health insurance through my work and I thought I'm going to jump on this and use this Mm. and go and get a private consultation and she's sort of she went through the consultation and you know did her sort of psychoanalysis and she said yes you have bipolar and I went oh okay how did you feel oh mixture of emotions Mm -hmm. I came out of there shaking crying laughing smiling frowning um I was a complete whirlwind of emotions uh upset because I felt disappointed I felt disappointed and let down by the NHS. Now, I love the NHS, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. At this time of our life during the pandemic, yeah. they are superheroes. But unfortunately, the mental health department within the NHS yeah. just doesn't have that funding. No. Um, and it and varies borough to borough as well. So absolutely. I know that the borough we're in is, compared to others, pretty well funded. And then I've got friends and family in other boroughs that, that go to their GP and there's none. Yeah. I mean, we are very lucky in that sense mm. that we are in, in an area where it's better funded. But yeah, as I say, coming out of there, I, I felt let down. I felt like I'd, I've had bipolar, obviously, for many years and it it wasn't diagnosed perhaps early enough. And perhaps had it been, would all of this have not subsided, but would I have managed it earlier? Would I have managed it better? Yeah. Who knows? I, I can't. I can't judge that but you got diagnosed and then how did your sort of close friends and family react as well they were not surprised in the slightest (laughs) (laughs) well how did you feel with that well I like I say mixture of emotions when I told one of my closest friends she said well duh we all knew that how did you not know it um I suppose as an outsider they see things very differently they have a different perspective of things and when I realized that they had long accepted this they had accepted my mental health years ago and with that it made me go oh okay and it helped me accept it myself because I didn't felt like I was being judged because I was lucky enough to have a very good close group of friends a very understanding family 
uh, my mum and sister and a very very understanding boyfriend yeah don't get me wrong it's had its trials and tribulations kind of working through it and and finding some balance mm-hmm. but the fact that they accepted it and was like okay great let's get the help you need made yeah. me think all right then I will but it's not but it's not as easy as that for everybody it's interesting hearing you say that your friends had kind of already accepted your bipolar or your mental health before you had almost I feel like that's only something I've I've recently kind of come to terms with I guess in so I suffer from anxiety I realize I've suffered from anxiety pretty much my whole life I was always a very worried child um yeah I was a big worrier as a kid and it wasn't really until I was about 26 27 that I had my first anxiety attack and realized like this is actually quite major how did you find that how did you find having an anxiety attack I had no idea what it was (laughs) I I just found myself crying uncontrollably couldn't breathe and luckily I was at an event where a fantastic friend um, sort of scooped me up, made me coffee, sat me down, talked to me. And that's when I sort of started going that I've never had that before. And I don't know what that was. I do have yeah. quite a funny story about my second anxiety attack I've had. <laughs> it was during a wedding. Well, that it, you were shooting or that you were shooting attending? a wedding and had just finished dinner so I um, they'd all sat down all the guests and the couple had sat down for their meal I'd as you do as a wedding photographer you eat very fast because you've got no idea when you're sort of back to work and started getting basically like heartburn and was like this isn't this isn't normal I've never sort of had it this bad and the couple came up to me whilst I was having this really bad heartburn and they were like should we do our like bright and bridesmaids and groomsmen's photos I was like yeah and I could my throat was closing up I couldn't breathe it would it was like I had been winded and I was trying to make these pictures as fun as possible and in the end I had to say to them I don't feel well I don't know what it is I can't breathe and I've got heartburn and um, did not realise at the time that I was describing the perfect anxiety attack. Yeah. Um, and bless their hearts, they said, that's fine, we're going to delay our speeches, you just sort yourself out. Yeah. Um, and had to sort of sit down and still thinking it was heartburn. So I, I drank like lemonade, <laughs> trying to like <laughs> get my heartburn <laughs> sorted. And then it wasn't until I, I sort of had a conversation with my housemate at the time and she was like, yeah, I don't think that was heartburn. I think no. I think there's something else going on here. But it's interesting you talking about how your friends accepted it, already accepted it before you kind of knew. Someone recently said to me how, because going back to the word dramatic, I've always mm. been classed as dramatic. Do you think that's because our personalities, when we're in a group of people or at a party or a gathering, mm. we're quite sort of we're bubbly people we are chatty we are forward we we do talk to people and we're quite open people and yeah it's it's great it's a great part of our characters and personalities but then I think do you think perhaps then because of that it kind of also I don't know leads leads people to think we're being dramatic I don't know so I wonder if it's because people don't assume that we would have anxiety I wonder if, because I, you know, often when I do share with sort of new friends or people that I meet and I say, you know, I suffer from anxiety and have anxiety attacks, they're like, you? But you're so confident. And I'm like, that's got absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah. So I wonder if it's that. I've, But 
it's not been until recently a friend recently said like your friends should just accept that that's who you are and if your friends can't accept that that's uh, you know whether it's a personality trait or it's mental health if they can't accept that then why are they your friends and that that's been a huge turning point I think for me to talk more openly about my anxiety and also to be more accepting of myself whereas before it was always part of me who that I hated I really loathed it and I hated when people said that I was being dramatic so yeah it's a it's um hmm, lot lot to learn already (laughs) yeah I think I think as well though I think with that is that sometimes actually it's not necessarily their fault for uh, branding people with mental health as being dramatic because Mm. actually it's poor education it's the or the little or lack of education that that person has had on mental health um and so sometimes I do think, sometimes I think, oh, God, that's a bit mean. Like, hello, I've got some issues here. Like, yeah. why are you not? You know? And then other times I think to myself, well, actually, perhaps it's not that person's fault just because they haven't had any contact with mental health, somebody with a mental health problem or they just haven't had that education so and I think that's also where society we can the only way is up I think for mental health awareness absolutely it's a big buzzword at the moment isn't it, it? Is, Which... it's become very popular yeah it's very yeah in vogue. Um... yeah we are so cosmopolitan <laughs> oh, right now we're such trends <laughs> Katie <laughs> so let's go back to your bipolar what what are yes. your highs what are your lows if you don't if you don't mind talking about it no, let's go for it. Um, so mine are pretty dramatic. Super. Um, hashtag dramatic. <laughs> hashtag dramatic. There's that word again. Um, but as in my changes are very uh, extreme. So I can be like on top of the world, yeah. spending a shit ton of money, money that I probably don't have, but still spending it anyway. And, you know, having the best time, seeking loads of highs, going out, getting drunk, partying, you know, all this sort of stuff to then an extreme of it could be within an hour oh really yeah I just go whoom, and I'm okay. like oh and for a while I thought I had an alcohol problem mm-hmm. because these patterns used to happen when I was drunk mm-hmm. but then over time I have actually noticed these happen these patterns don't always happen when I'm drunk they have happened when I've been stone cold sober yeah you know I've been perfectly fine one minute and then can't get out of my flat because I'm having an anxiety attack I'm coming down from sort of being really really high I'm now really low I don't Mm. want to see anyone I don't want to talk to anyone I feel numb there's an emptiness there's you know my boyfriend might say to me you're not talking why are you not talking why are you not responding to like conversations we're having and I literally will sit there and be like, I have nothing to say. And how long do they last? Like those episodes last for you? Um, it depends on how low I've gone mm. before I've noticed it and tried to get myself out. If I can notice myself doing it, mm-hmm. it could be a couple of hours, and I can oh wow okay bring bring myself up. Yeah. Or if I don't, it can be days, weeks, mm. months. Mm. I had an episode last year I was in a really good job but it just wasn't right for me anymore and I got signed off my doctor was was incredible really really helpful got signed off for two weeks and they said come back and let's reassess in the end I was off for six weeks and I I couldn't physically get out like I didn't want to get out of bed Mm. um 
And I think that can be perceived sometimes as lazy as well. Like, oh gosh, you're so lazy. Like, just pull yourself together and get up and have a wash. And it's like, are you kidding? Like, I can just about brush my teeth right now. Like, it's it's something that I think is also the difference between our generation and maybe an older generation where my favorite that's always banded around is well we we had world war Two, and you know people were fine and like actually people really weren't fine no not at all it's just that as a society you just class them as mental yeah yeah you were putting you were put in a straight jacket and and shipped off somewhere the first time i discovered what hysteria was do you know what hysteria in the victorians was no oh katie you're gonna love this <laughs> tell me some more so women were diagnosed with hysteria and it was basically men thought that women went crazy if they didn't not knowing at the time that it was an orgasm but that women were crazy and doctors started inducing orgasms by stimulation (laughs) and that would cure their hysteria (laughs) i'm not joking (laughs) all right so we just all need to get a good shagging yeah. <laughs> yeah if I could just go to GP and come out happy I'd be <laughs> over the moon that's a different kind of doctor we need there I think yeah, different kind is. of therapy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I just think people treated it all so differently back then and so yeah I agree that the current generation of kind of oh come on just pull yourself together pull yourself together is is the phrase most commonly used yeah yeah Definitely. I think I think the thing is, generations are so different and what they lived through. Sure. World War Two. Awful, terrible time. But what we're living through, particularly now, but just in general, our lifestyles are so different. There's so much more pressure on all of us uh, to succeed. You know, social media is out there portraying perfect pictures of life. And we're all trying to get there. We're all trying to reach this perfection. And no one really knows what perfection is. And we're putting too much pressure on ourselves, yeah. which actually then makes us all crumble. And you sort of, you know, I don't know, it's just, it's so hard. And all of this stuff feeds into everybody's mental health. And yeah. some some people it will trigger and it can, it can go the wrong way. Or some people it doesn't. Mm. But that's the way mental health is and a lot of mental health is genetic as well gosh when I was when I told my mum that um I'd been diagnosed with bipolar Mm. she said oh well yeah just like your nan and I thought oh interesting okay so there's a history of this and then we kind of looked into our family and there there has been a fair bit of mental health history in our family so I think there's a lot to be said for that too yeah yeah it's it's something that I I mean going back to you saying about people not understanding and being quick to judge I mean my relationship with mental health has come from a place where and I don't want to say too much because it you know it's not really for me to talk about but being very flippant as a teenager about mental health and being like oh you know they're not depressed depression doesn't exist depression doesn't exist it's just it's just attention seeking I like I that is exactly what I used to say and I look back on the sheer ignorance of me at 18 or or less I'm younger 12 13 and having a very very negative view on mental health and then I feel like I've had to go through it myself to actually understand other people's and be a lot more understanding of other people's mental health now yeah absolutely and I think 
I think that's the same for many things. You know, if we were going through a divorce, we would have a better understanding for somebody Mm -hmm. else going through a divorce. So it does pay part to a lot of situations, but certainly there is help for people getting divorced. And because it's spoken about, Mm. people don't sort of taint it with a brush. Whereas mental health, there isn't as much help out there. People don't speak about it enough. And so then, you know, people look at it slightly differently so yeah so how do you feel like you've managed your mental health over the years I have well I haven't no (laughs) (laughs) it's an ongoing lesson yeah it isn't I haven't managed it (laughs) no I am managing it it's certainly a never-ending story yeah so I've been on a sort of a variety of different uh, medications to find out which one is best because there is no one medication there is no one size fits all for mental health yeah um and I have eventually found the right combination of two different uh, medications one for depression and anxiety and Mm -hmm. one is more of a mood stabilizer made uh specifically for epilepsy believe it or not and Mm. bipolar and is that something you take every day every day they do make me quite drowsy so I take them of an evening okay so I take them before I go to bed um they certainly help because I notice the difference when I don't take them Mm. I went through a stage of sort of feeling much better so not taking them so this is exactly what I wanted to talk about because my experience of taking medication for mental health is they work you feel better you think you're you're fixed you don't need the drugs anymore and actually that you need to just carry on you need to like keep taking them to maintain the good good mental health sure if you had asthma lex would you take an asthma pump yeah and do you have days where you wouldn't need it yeah yeah because because you're feeling okay sure but you would still have that asthma pump because Mm. it doesn't go away yeah it's true it's true um and so yeah no so I basically I found the right combination of tablets um through a bit of trial and error uh I know that I need them now I can't not take them I know that I need them I have also done a variety of different therapies so I did CBT which is cognitive behavioral therapy yeah which is kind of like helping you manage it gives you coping mechanisms that didn't really work for me okay yeah why not I really struggled at the time to compartmentalize my brain right and work out what the hell was going on in my brain to be able to start with the CBT okay my brain was a bit like spaghetti junction yeah and I couldn't work out where started and ended but it works for other people I know it's worked for other people it didn't really work for me so scrapped that one and then I've had two I've had three counselors and again it's all trial and error finding the right one for you and I eventually found the right one for me and I was with her for two years right and it was just talking therapy she would just ask me a question and she'd get me talking some days I didn't want to talk so she'd have to kind of coerce me a little bit and talk about other things and then she managed to loop it back round and they're, they're like wizards aren't they oh my god I don't know how she does it she literally she'd be like how's your day and then by the end of the session I'd be like whoa that was great <laughs> it, it's funny because therapy is something that I only I would say in the last two years I've been a lot more open to doing I think where I am a warrior and and have daily anxiety 
I talk to a lot of my friends or my mum a lot about my anxieties. And as an outsider, I can imagine that's really fucking annoying. And I feel like it's time for me to have almost talk therapy to just have someone once a week for me to just absolute word vomit on and that I'm not bothering my friends with. Why do you think you're bothering your friends? Um, oh, <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> so this is this is where my anxiety lies. I'm so hyper aware of how annoying I am to other people. Why? Because I feel like I've spent 10 years of people saying I'm annoying and, you know, like it's, it's something that... You've been talking to the wrong people for 10 years then, babe. Well, so this is, this is the kind of realisation in the last six months, basically. I feel like I've become a lot more... I'm ready to like start owning who I am, that I do talk a lot and that I do dissect every single fucking conversation I have. And I'm starting to go back to sort of me at 18 where I was very much like, if you like it, great. If you don't, please fuck off. And I think also when you, so I own my own business. I'm very much the brand of my business is a very personal brand. And I have always kind of been careful with what I say and what I do and how I act. And I feel like that's, it's almost become a habit of me overanalyzing everything I say. And Yeah, I think I'm ready to go through a little bit of therapy to kind of go back to the Lex at 18 that went to uni and just gave zero fucks. Yeah. I'm so ready for it. I'm so, I've I've had, you know, two, three years of friendships where it's, oh, you shouldn't say that and you shouldn't do that and please stop talking about that. And it's made me aware of myself almost to to an overkill sort of place. Yeah, I think, I think you've got to take, I mean, even with a with a great bunch of friends, a great bunch of people, family, whomever, yeah, you've always got to take whatever they think and say with a pinch of salt because everyone has their own opinions. You've just got to make sure you're being true to yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like I've lost myself in the last few years. I mean, so you and I have always been quite open about the fact that. I moved out to Leon C. I'm from Bromley, where you are. And two years ago was kind of the height of my mum being quite ill. And again, hindsight realising that I was obviously very unwell as well. Yeah. And kind of basically ran away from my problems. Moved to Leon C. Ran away, stopped talking to a lot of people. And this pandemic has actually been so healing for that. And I miss so many of my friends back in Bromley. It's unreal to the point where I'm like kind of ready to come back but you you were one person that kind of going back to the conversation of like you don't realize how to cope with people that have gone through a divorce until you're going through it I feel like you understood my mental health probably more than I did and that you'd always reach out you'd always check that I was okay and at the time we weren't friends we you know we we were in the same circle of friends but we didn't text Um, and that is something that has always stayed with me um and the people that kind of kept in touch it it was kind of like they knew without us having to talk about it so I feel like I'm coming out of this kind of two-year sort of black cloud almost yeah which Oh, God, you know like I'm so grateful for but it did get it did get shit at some points yeah and I can kind of talk about it now but at the time I it was just whether it, it was almost just like weathering the storm almost so I yeah. do feel like hindsight is so valuable when it comes to mental health it's such a shame that you can't recognize it when you're going through it 
but yeah. if you survive it you can look back and acknowledge it yeah and I think you I think that's there's a lot to be said for that actually is that when you're in the middle of it you can't you cannot see it at all no and you, you just can't see a way out I just yeah it's, it's it's really horrible at that time but when you do get to the other side and you do and you will you you can look back and you can learn from it and ref- yeah. self-reflection is a massive thing I think but you, but you can't self-reflect unless you're ready to self-reflect as well. Yeah, and I think it was probably also... I mean, yeah, I would say it's been like a two and a bit year episode uh, for me. Oh, God, it sounds fucking long. <laughs> a whole episode. Yeah. Uh, but But kind of this black cloud for me and coming out of it the other side and ready to you know accept my my faults I've learned a lot of lessons I've made a lot of mistakes the thing I'm currently sort of having to come to terms with is being so over analytical of myself and so I guess this survival guides for me more than anyone <laughs> like Katie can you help me <laughs> let's go babe let's go um <laughs> So let's let's kind of get on to the survival guide of mental yeah. health. What are your yeah. tips for people that that maybe have listened to this and gone, hmm, maybe I need to start. What's what's yeah. the starting point? Do you think talk, mm. talk, 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 talk? It doesn't matter who you talk to. You could talk to, you know, if you're your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, your boyfriend, your friend, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whomever. It doesn't matter talk whether that means you're talking to offload or you're talking to say I think I need some help I'm Mm -hmm. not quite sure the first step is taking that time that moment to say "Mm, I need help Mm. and the only way you can get that really unless you're super willed and got incredible self-motivation which generally if you're feeling a bit shit you're probably not gonna have that yeah you you need to you need to tell someone help it's 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 easier said than done sometimes it may take a couple of goes it may you know you might write a text to someone and say I'm feeling a bit shit and then never send it for like a week but every step is a step forward I think that's something that having just gone through most recently a lot of stuff I had been speaking to someone through work you know we were were planning something together and I'd speak to her every single day and then there was one time we went onto a video call and she could clearly see and I'd been crying my face was like so red and blotchy and she was just like right we're not talking about work like tell me what's going on and I offloaded and she was just like I've spoken to you every single day for the last six weeks and you've never said anything and that's the point where I where I realized that I could have reached out a lot sooner and I guess the reason I didn't is because I was really worried that I'd get a knock on the door and it would be like right well we've you know we're gonna go and section you I think that's always the biggest concern for people when they start talking about their mental health or maybe saying to someone like I'm not okay and they think they're going to be dragged off to a you know an institution um I can safely say that that it you it's not going to get on the first conversation it's not going to be that there's not enough funding for us all to end up in an institution <laughs> so yeah that would be my, my definitely my first tip is talk to somebody and try to start getting the help you need okay so they've talked now now what like what what would you say would you say go straight to the G- uh, gp not necessarily i would a gp is certainly something you need to go and do but it may not necessarily be the next step i think sometimes 
you might need to do a little self searching mm-hmm. um and and because you can, sometimes you can help yourself i think that's the stage i'm at i kind of i've i've listened to a this is going to sound so weird i've listened to a lot of books <laughs> <laughs> which I love saying but I've got <laughs> I listen to audio books whilst I work I'm very lucky in that I can listen to it whilst I edit and I've recently listened to a lot of self-help books that have so helped me more than I think a book could there's a specific one that I adored called Girl Wash Your Face and the title alone just spoke to me so much <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's some chapters that don't apply to me about motherhood and things like that but some of the chapters about kind of accepting who you are and not taking shit has massively changed my outlook over the last couple of weeks yeah. um, so I always sort of knocked self-help books and those sort of non-fiction guides um but that's certainly what has helped me in the last couple of months at least I think there's a lot to be said about listening as well because sometimes reading it's literally staring you in the face yeah and you don't always want to see it whereas I think listening to an audio book an audio self-help book which I've not done and I think I'm going to take this advice from you and and listen listen to my books um (laughs) It's such an odd sentence. I know. I'm just going to go and listen to some books. I'm going to read the TV. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think listening to it can. I think listening to self help is probably better than reading sometimes if you're not quite ready to see that staring back at you in the face. Yeah. So yeah, certainly you know once you've talked, if you feel like you can handle a little bit of it on your own, do it. You know, get the self help books get the adult coloring in therapeutic relaxation meditation you meditate no (laughs) that's all right I mean like for me meditation is I've got a kind of love-hate relationship with it but I've got the calm app which is worth its weight in gold in my opinion so I often go to sleep listening to like sleep meditation and then if I'm feeling particularly anxious or I've got a lot of things whirling around my brain I've got an Acumat. I don't know if you've ever heard of an Acumat. Is that um, the, the spikes? Yes. I have one. It's bloody brilliant. It's amazing. So I, when I'm feeling particularly wound up, I'll just go in, I'll put Wednesday in her crate. I'll close the door. <laughs> um, I'll uh, lay down on the Acumat and do like a 20 minute meditation just to like really clear my head. And it sounds very woo woo. And me three years ago would have said it's really woo woo. But yeah. It, there is something to be said about just clearing your head, reevaluating what it is that's worrying you. For me, it's always my anxiety is usually like, well, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then we're all going to die. That's always kind of, it's such an extreme reaction. I've also got a lot of anxiety around my business and thinking that this one simple thing is going to destroy my business and then where will I be? And the reality of it is that it's not going to be that bad and needing that 20 minutes to kind of go, okay, is that likely to happen? And if it's not, then make peace with it and move on. And if it is, what are you going to do about it? Oh, that's the biggest thing i'm such a control freak katie well if it happens you'll 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 uh i was gonna say man up i hate the phrase man up I know, yeah you'll woman up you will woman up yeah and and you'll and you'll take whatever it is by the horns and you'll sort it out yeah yeah it's all it's all a, i think that's the biggest thing i want to kind of stress from this episode is mental health is such an ongoing 
journey. Yeah. It's not something that you pop a pill and it's over. And have you seen the um the you know the semicolon? Yes. Have you seen that? It's yes. like the story doesn't end. Yeah. So it's continuous. Now whether what what that means for somebody could could be a variety of different things of why something doesn't end, but mm. generally mental health doesn't end. Yeah. I think also like you you exercise quite a lot. Do you feel like exercise has helped you? Yeah. It definitely helps when I exercise it has to be the right sort of exercise as well because let me Mm. tell you I hate going out for a run it is boring I don't like it it hurts I come back and I don't feel like I just I just hate it Mm. but some people absolutely love it they get a bit stressed they hit the road they go for a run it's great come back feeling (sighs) wonderful I come back feeling like a heap of shit yeah but (laughs) I have found something that works for me and so I do it at least once a week if not if I can try and do it more than that I do yeah and um and it makes me feel great I come away and I feel much better there is something though I do say is that it's hard if you're in that funk if you are in a low Mm. it can be really hard to to want to exercise and you know I haven't there were periods of time where I didn't exercise for like six months and now I'm exercising every single week. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, but exercise does help. It's a time. And the reason I think it helps is not only are you getting your body moving, even if it's just yoga and a bit of stretching, yeah. you're kind of like igniting your body to concentrate on something that isn't your brain. You know, you are turning your mind off and focusing on touching your toes. Yep. And just for that 30 seconds of trying to touch your toes and focusing on only that gives your brain a little 30 second respite of oh stop worrying about whatever it is yeah touch your toes and get on with it get on with life go and go and touch your toes I find swimming helps me I really enjoy swimming and is probably the only form of exercise I do (laughs) (laughs) um I'm gonna completely own that apart from a dog walk so I find swimming helps because it almost feels like I'm counting I'm checking my breathing I'm focusing my brain on doing other things whereas I find on the dog walks I've got an hour or I've got an hour and a half and I'm sort of I'm replaying things in my head whereas swimming I'm kind of I'm counting how many lengths have I done it's occupying my brain in a different way yeah 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 I do feel like exercise I need to do more. it helps (laughs) don't we all oh god honestly (laughs) Um, so in general what what are your kind of if you had to give three survival guide tips to mental health someone that's listened to this that kind of feels like they need to check in with themselves what would you recommend well talk check in with yourself Mm. exercise if you can and I'm going to throw in a fourth one if it gets too bad go and talk to your GP because even if they can't help you, hopefully they can point you in the right direction of someone or an area within the NHS who can help you. I I mean, I've got so many stories, but I haven't kind of sought permission to be able to talk about them. But I certainly have in the very long period of um, sort of having housemates. I had housemates up until two years ago. Um, I had a housemate who was struggling with mental health and you know like it was like holding up a mirror a little bit in some respects where I kept just being like you you know like it's okay to not be okay and also I listened to a podcast and one of the hosts has mental health um and his favorite saying is 
mental health is not your fault but it is your responsibility and I feel like that is the biggest thing I take away from my mental health of recognizing when I'm having anxiety attacks luckily I've not had one for a while they were weirdly happening for about three months at every single wedding that I shot and so recognizing the first signs of them and putting in place and 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 not being afraid to say to someone like I'm just about to go into an anxiety attack could you you know could you take over or could you just delay that for a bit um and that's not happened for oh god two two years now but I can feel when it's creeping up and I have now steps that I take and so it is just learning the steps that you need to take as a listener like the steps it is a trial and error unfortunately yeah for sure and you'll have to you kind of have to ride the shit mm. before you can work w- out what that is, but that's okay. It's it is okay to ride the shit and have a really crappy time. Yeah. If it means that you are going to benefit from that shit time and learn from it and learn from it and take it into the future. Yeah, totally. I think also very lastly, I wanted to just reach out to anyone listening to this that might be struggling during this pandemic. I'm very aware how this can be affecting a lot of people emotionally and mentally. I'm really, really hoping the government and the NHS will be able to recognise the impact this pandemic is going to have on a lot of people. And I really am praying that there's going to be more funding for people that may suffer from OCD after this. Uh, you know the what's the is it agoraphobic where you've got the fear of going out I think that's developing a lot of people so it's okay my favorite saying with mental health it's okay to not be okay yeah if you're going through this pandemic on your own please reach out to people my you can email me apocalypsepodcast at gmail.com you may not know me maybe you do please reach out um that's me pretending like I have any other one anyone else listening to this apart from my friends and my family (laughs) but it's important well even if they reach out to you that's that's good yeah um and yeah this pandemic is gonna have an effect on people have you seen Casey a lot of people being like I've put on two stone or I've put on one stone and the shit they're giving themselves because they have just comfort ate or they've emotionally eaten or they're not moving as much yeah. I just think we need to be a bit kinder to ourselves I agree I mean of course we're not moving as much we're not allowed to I, so... <laughs> I, see it. I did two weeks of trying to do keto and every single Saturday I ended up going to Tesco and buying like the biggest pizza pizza I could find and yeah, nice. a box of ice cream a box of ice cream a, a tub of ice cream and being like oh I'll start again on Monday <laughs> and I'm just giving up I'm just going to embrace the pandemic yeah. <laughs> pandemic weight gain Go um, with it. I mean, wh- who needs a summer body anyway? We're stuck inside. <laughs> no one's going to see it. <laughs> yeah. So just go with it. <laughs> um, Katie, thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, it's been, well. Thank you for uh, having me. You're welcome. It's been such a nice conversation. I, 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 what I love about recording these episodes is I learn something every episode. And so hopefully someone listening to this can as well. So yeah, if you feel like you want to talk or you've got a question for Katie or I about mental health, you can email me at apocalypsepodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I will see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>